0: Our scripture text for this morning is from 2 Peter chapter 1, so I'll invite you to turn there in your copy of God's Word. We'll be looking at the first 11 verses of 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll be reading uh, through verse 15, um, though the specific passage we're looking at is 1 to 11. God's Word reads, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, And virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. This is God's holy word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, make your word to come alive in us, that we would see Christ through it, and that we would see what it is you call us to do, how you would have us live and please you. Would the way we give our attention to your word show honor to the Son, for whose sake we pray. Amen. So imagine for me a scenario. Imagine with me that you have a friend and you just found out that your friend has uh, acquired a piece of property and has moved there. And so you ask, oh, how's how's your time going at, at your new place? And your friend says, well, to be honest, it's not very good, it's pretty cold and I feel very unsafe actually and moreover, no one really wants to come over. It's not a very nice place. I'm just overall kind of miserable and not feeling like I'm being very productive. And you think, oh wow, that's, that's kind of crazy. Well, I, I, I should come and see your place. So you drive over and you see they've been given this big piece of land. And you look and you think, there's no house. There's just one big cement slab. All they have is a foundation. And you say, well, no wonder you feel like your life is unprotected and you're cold and weak. You haven't built on the foundation. Sure, you were given this beautiful, wonderful foundation on this beautiful piece of property, but you need to build your house. And I hope the analogy is not lost on you that too often for us as Christians, we live our life in a state almost feeling like we're feeble and we're not bearing the fruit to God that we wish we would. We feel like, where's the warmth in my Christianity? Where's the fruit in my life? What difference is this making? Uh, There was an old writer who asked the question this way. He said, how is it that so many professing believers have so little happiness in their religion? And don't you feel that sometimes? Like, man, I feel like this ought to be making such a bigger difference in my life. Why aren't I more fervent and more effective? And I would pause posit that it might be because you haven't made effort to build on your faith. You haven't made effort to add onto your faith, to furnish and supplement your faith. And so, if we are struggling feeling like our faith is not as full and fruitful as we'd like it to be, I think we need to take, pay attention to Peter where he says in this passage that we need to make every effort to supplement our faith. And he gives us particular qualities to do so. You need to add to your faith. Faith plus knowledge, virtue, self-control, all these things. And now you might be thinking, just wait, hold on a second. We're saved by faith alone, right? You're talking about adding things. That sounds a little fishy to me. Well, okay, let, let me lay your fears a bit. So we are called to add to our faith with good works, with all these character qualities, not for forgiveness, not to earn God's favor, but to experience fullness and fruitfulness and faithfulness in our life. Okay, so this is not to earn God's favor. This is what we read in uh, Ephesians 2, where we read earlier, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. Wonderful. Faith, not ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should... Boast. Okay, so our foundation of standing before God, it's not something we could have constructed because then we'd be able to boast about it. And that would mean we get the glory and not God, right? The foundation is a gift by God built on the righteousness of Christ. But we're not given the foundation, like we said, we're not raised to life to stand still because verse 10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, We've been given a foundation of faith on the righteousness of Christ that we might build upon it. There's, a, there's an old adage that says, We're saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. The faith that justifies, that makes us right with God, is also the same faith that transforms us and enables us to live for God. And so the foundation we've been given is a foundation of Christ's righteousness. We, we love to sing on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And this is important because if we try to stand on our own righteousness saying, okay God, I'll build a foundation of my good works, I'll show you how good of a person I am, and I'll, I think I'll be able to stand in your presence on that. No, all other ground is sinking sand. We can never build a firm foundation of righteousness in order to receive God's favor. But Christ's righteousness that we receive by faith is to us that solid ground that we can stand on. So when we trust Christ, we stand on his righteousness and are on solid ground. And we have something to build upon, to make a life out of, starting with this amazing firm faith that God's given us. But yet, we're still called to work. We're called to add to our faith. But remember, this is not for forgiveness and it's not for favor. So, if it's not for those things, what's it for? Well, Peter actually tells us why we need to add to our faith. What will be the result? If you take a look at verse 8, 2 Peter 1, verse 8, take a look there. He says, If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, right there, he's implying you can have a real faith that's ineffective. You can have a real Christianity that's not fruitful. And if you want an effective, fruitful Christianity, you need to add to your faith. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. This idea of being nearsighted, I I have to admit, my my wife is nearsighted. She doesn't see very well without her glasses or contacts. But like, imagine this scenario, if my wife was up one morning and saying, you know, like, at least I can see. Being able to see is wonderful. It may not be very well, so I'll just go about my day. I won't wear my glasses or contacts. And you know, maybe she gets by, but she's missing out on the vibrancy and beauty in life that comes from adding to her face those glasses or adding in those little contacts. And this is kind of what Peter's saying for us, that You've been cleansed from sin. You've been given a new life. But if you forget that and forget to use what God's given you and to keep improving and to see more clearly, you're going to be living a Christian life that's kind of almost blind, that's missing out on the vibrancy and beauty and fullness that comes from really building on that godly foundation. So we add to our faith that we might have fullness and fruitfulness to bear good fruit, to be able to be productive for God. But there's a second reason in this passage he gives as well. Take a look at verse 10. It's also for firmness and faithfulness. He says in verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. That's a really amazing promise because there's always this danger around us of falling away, from falling away from what we've attained. And this is actually one of the main reasons why Peter's writing this particular letter. Because there were false teachers that had entered the church. And these false teachers were teaching false doctrines, as they are wont to do. But, and this is a common mark of false teachers, is it's not just false doctrines that they're teaching, but the false teaching leads to false living. So not only were they teaching anti-gospel truths, well, I guess falsehoods, anti-gospel falsehoods, they were also teaching a lifestyle that was immoral, that was sensual, and that was perverse. So there was this draw to the congregation that they might cave in to the false teachers that they might cave in to this immorality. And Peter wants to see them established on a firm faith, on a strong faith that they might stand strong. And so he says, here are a list of qualities to add to your faith. And this is a way that you confirm your calling and election. So what what this is meaning is that when you are building on your foundation of faith, it encourages you that you actually have a foundation that you're building on. Sometimes Christian wonders, am I actually on the foundation? Do I actually have a true faith? And he's saying, the more you add to your faith, the more you build, you can't build on anything else other than Christ. So as you see a life of faith and godliness being built, it encourages you and confirms the fact that God has actually given you a firm foundation. And he says, in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom. So this isn't saying that by doing these good works you bought your entrance into the eternal kingdom but that your entrance will be a rich one. That you'll be able to bring the works of your life which will all be judged by God to bring your life before the throne and say, God, look, I have built upon the foundation you've given me. I have confidence that I've lived for you. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. And so I know henceforth there's laid up for me that crown of righteousness. So, You could say that as the house of our faith is built and it grows, so does our assurance grow as well. So we're given this faith, not for forgiveness or favor, but for fruitfulness and for this firmness that we might be protected against false teaching and false living. And this is an essential point, because if we get this wrong, if we start switching thinking that we build the foundation and not on the foundation, that can cause all sorts of trouble. Uh, perhaps one more illustration might help with this thought. Uh, it's pretty common if you're a, a up-and-coming violinist. Um, my, my cousin's kind of in the music business and he's friends with this good violinist named Greg. And so I asked Greg, who was, he, he was about 20 at the time, how, like, if I could ask, how much is your violin? And he's like, oh, he's like, I could never afford this violin. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was like, wow. And this is a common thing for, because good violins are so expensive, they can never be purchased, but are always given as a gift from a master to a student. And how silly would it be if Greg took that violin and said, wow, this is so valuable, I should like keep it on a display case and just be thankful that I received such a wonderful gift. No, this gift isn't given to sit back, but that he might play and create beautiful music that he and others can both enjoy. And this is why God's given us a faith. Not just so we can be glad, wow, I have such a firm foundation, the saints of the Lord. It's laid up for us. No, but it's that we might build a home of faith and experience the joy and warmth and fellowship that comes from a fully built and furnished home. That we might live lives that, in a sense, make beautiful music that reflect God into this world. We've been given the faith that we might build upon it. And what is this beauty we're seeking? What is the goal? Right, you're thinking, yeah, that sounds good. I want a beautiful life, but what's what's the particular mark we're aiming at? Well, the goal is given us in our passage and it is simply growing more and more to look like Jesus. Growing in conformity to Christ's image. Growing into Christ's image is our call. And it's interesting, all these qualities are internal qualities of character. They're not actions to be done. It's not as much about doing, but about becoming. And the call is given, um, in verse 4, he says that we've been given power and precious promises so that we may become partakers of the divine nature that we might share in God's godliness. And some, some have twisted this to say that we like morph into God and become God. No, this is saying that as we build on our faith, we more and more partake of the beauty that makes God beautiful and reflect that same beauty into the world, to partake of the divine nature, to reflect the divine image. And it says, for this reason, For the reason that we've been called to reflect God, we want to add to our faith. And we're adding to our faith elements of character. Now it's significant. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say add to your faith daily prayer. Add to your faith a missions trip once in your life. You know, you always gotta do one missions trip in your life, right, if you're a good Christian. It it doesn't say add to your faith fasting once a year or professing your faith in this or that way. Because do you know what religion that is? That's Islam. Those are the five pillars of Islam. You're a good Muslim if you pray every day, do a pilgrimage in your life to Mecca, fast yearly, and profess the faith. Because you see, external actions can be replicated without any true faith. You can sit in here week after week and not have the root of the matter in you. And so though these external things are good and helpful to our faith, we need to use all the means of grace. What we actually need to be adding to our life, the goal of all these things, is that we might grow in godliness, in love, in self-control, in perseverance. These are true qualities of heart transformation. And this is the way that we become to look more like Jesus. You know, like So often we can think, like, yes, I want to be conformed to the image of Christ, but what do I do? What does that look like? Well, it tells us right here, we've been given a blueprint. We've been given a pattern right here that we need to supplement our faith. Verse five says, with virtue, with knowledge, with self-control, with steadfastness, with godliness, brotherly love, and affection. I really think that this passage ought to be one of all of our favorite passages because this is so practical. This is so direct. These are things we can each work on every single day. And if we want to be conformed to the image of Christ, we ought to follow the blueprint. Um, do you guys remember paint by number? Kids, do you guys do paint paint by number ever? You, kind of, you, you have a, a picture and then you have like little numbers in it and you have to paint according to the color. Well, I found out recently there's like adult versions of these that are much more technical and difficult and they actually will take famous paintings like a Rembrandt or a Van Gogh and they turn it into a paint by number so that you can, at home, try to almost imitate these masterpieces. And this is kind of what's going on here. There's Christ's image, his perfection, and we've been given these paint-by-numbers, these seven additions to faith that will help us to paint a life that hopefully will look more like Jesus. We'll, we'll never attain to the divine perfection of the master, but we want to look as close as we can. So what are these? We're actually going to be starting a series. Um, as I go through this, we're going to look at each of these in turn. So we're doing the big picture tonight, and then we're actually going to look at each one of these additions to faith over the next few months. So I'll just briefly describe each of them, and we'll get more in depth at a future time. So we need to add virtue. This actually is, this is referring to Anything that would make someone's life praiseworthy, anything where you would look at someone and be like, wow, that's like a real model example of how to live. That's the way I want to be. Anything that would be morally good, a good way of living, a beautiful lifestyle, that's virtue. It's it's an all-encompassing sort of term. Knowledge, uh, this is not just referring to base knowledge, though it is the knowledge of God and theology and doctrine, but also wisdom. Because... You might, know how to live a, or you might know that you ought to live a virtuous life, but how do you do that, right? You can think, I should speak an encouraging word to this person, but wisdom is the way that tells you how to encourage them. Because haven't you, someone's tried to encourage you, but the thing they actually say is actually kind of hurtful. It's not an encouraging form of encouragement. So we need wisdom to find the right manner of living. Self-control, simply the quality of inner strength that enables us to not do the things that we know we shouldn't do. There's many things we know are bad for us and unhealthy and damage our bodies as well as our souls, but we don't have that inner resistance to stay away. So self-control is that power to resist. Steadfastness is the opposite. Steadfastness is that inner strength that enables you to continue doing the good that you know you ought to do. steadfastness helps us resist laziness and apathy and discouragement to to continue doing the good we know we ought. Godliness, this is our relationship with God. We might call it piety or a heavenly mindedness, spiritual mindedness, having a heart that's fervent for the things of the Lord. And then brotherly affection and love. These are the fruit of it all. I don't think there's any necessary big order here that you have to do one then two then three but there does seem to be an overall um, transition from faith as the foundation to love really is the final fruit it says in galatians 5 6 nothing counts but faith working through love and love really is the goal that we're seeking love is the fruit of a mature christianity to that we would be people that overflow in brotherly affection and love for others That's a wonderful aim. That would be something to shoot for. And maybe we can focus, we can get our lives together enough as we control ourselves, as we persevere in what's good, that we would have an overflowing love that we'd be able to spend ourselves serving others. So we've been given the blueprint. We should focus on these qualities. And we have the qualities, but there's one other secret ingredient. Okay, so this is, uh, I think, perhaps the key insight of this passage is, what is the secret ingredient that's going to make all this happen, that's going to make all these efforts be successful. The secret ingredient is spoudé. Spoudé. I, I just like saying it, spoudé. Uh, it's, the, it's the Greek word that Peter uses here when he says, make every effort to supplement your faith. Effort. So the Greek word there is spoudé. And it's just you can say it once you go home, to say it all day long. Spoudé, spoudé, spoudé. And... Uh, Effort, effort. We, we forget about this a lot of the time and we slip into thinking that if we're just sitting here, we'll just grow into spiritually mature Christians just by osmosis. If we just live, we're just gonna get mature without even trying. That's not how it works and that's why so often we live with so little joy in our faith is because we're not actually putting in spude. effort, single-minded devotion. This word is literally a word for haste and it's used of people who see a destination they want to go to, and then they make haste to get there. They're determined to get there. It's a single-mindedness. My, my dad probably, uh, he would have called it gumption. My dad always said, I love a kid with gumption. And I'm not even sure what it means, but I think it's something like this, something like spude, gumption. And so we need to put in effort. And sometimes it'll be easy, sometimes it'll be hard. Um, you don't grow strong and healthy at the gym by standing in the gym. You actually need to put in effort to move the weights, to move on the machines. It takes effort. But here's the key. Okay, this is really important. It's not an effort of a bare willpower. It's not just to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Because if the goal we're seeking is inner transformation to reflect Jesus, Jesus, Spiritual transformation doesn't just come by human effort, but it's a work of the Spirit of God. So that means it's not just any old effort. It has to be a Spirit-powered effort. And this is what our passage was telling us uh, above again in verse 3. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God's power gives us everything we need for life and godliness. So if we want to build this house of faith, God's already given us all the resources. He's got us all the lumber, all the supplies, all the tools. Everything we need is found in God. And, but how is this Holy Spirit power attained? The power of the Holy Spirit in, in your life is attained by prayer. You know, So we talk about, oh, I don't want to do things in my own strength, but in the strength of the Spirit. What does that actually mean? It means you're relying on the Holy Spirit's strength in prayer, By asking for it. It's quite simple. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in our prayer time. The Father's disposition to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit definitively, but we can keep on being filled, as Ephesians 5 says. And so the power is available to us, but we need to avail ourselves of it. But we don't just have the power, we have promises. It says in verse 4 He's granted to us precious and great promises. So that through them, we may partake of the divine nature. So if the power is like the energy, the promises are like those actual actual materials. And the promises direct us. So this is not just spirit-powered effort, but spirit-powered and promise-trusting effort. Because, you know, things get discouraging. We struggle sometimes to see the big picture. And in difficult times, we go to the promises of God in His Word and find those encouragements. And so as you read Scripture, look for promises to trust, promises to hang on to. And those help encourage us. And Scripture directs us in how to grow in each of these areas. There's, there's even promises in this very passage that help us in this. As we looked at earlier, it says: if you, if these qualities are yours and increasing, you will be fruitful and effective in your faith. And it says, further, you will never fall and have a rich entrance into heaven provided. So we need to remember that as we pursue this, God, you promise that if I'm pursuing these qualities, my faith will not be ineffectual or unfruitful. There's many, many promises in scripture. need to go looking for them. So we need to put an effort. We need to put an effort to build our faith according to these blueprints. Recognizing that the Spirit gives us the power. The Scriptures direct us in how we do this. So we exercise a Spirit powered, faith filled effort as we seek to add to our faith. And so, where does this bring us? Well, it brings us to the fact that if you believe in Christ, you've been given a foundation, a solid foundation of righteousness. And you are called to build upon that foundation to add these seven ingredients to your faith. Not for forgiveness, not for favor, but for fullness, for fruitfulness, and for faithfulness. And the goal in all of this is not just about doing, but it's about becoming. Becoming more and more like Jesus Christ and reflecting his image in the world. And if we want this, then we do need to exercise a spirit-powered, Faith-filled effort as we pursue this goal of reflecting God to this world. And so as we do this, we do this all looking to Jesus, who Hebrews 12:2 says, He's the founder and he's the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the foundation layer. Jesus' is blood and righteousness alone atone for all our sins. We build upon him. Jesus laid down his life. He died taking sin after living the righteous life we could never live that we might have this firm foundation to build upon. And if you don't have this foundation in your life, it's a matter of faith. It's a foundation that comes by way of faith. Faith that Christ has done what we could never do. In Christ alone we can stand before the throne of God. Faith gets us onto the foundation. Christ is the foundation layer of our faith. But Christ, he didn't just die to give us the foundation. He rose to give us the Holy Spirit that our faith might be built up to completion. He's he's the finishing carpenter, as it were. Jesus is with us every step in the way. He says, I will finish the work that I've started in you. I will be with you always to the end of the age. So in Christ's ascension and his session at God's right hand, He also perfects our faith, giving us the Holy Spirit for it all. And so we build on our faith, not as a dutiful burden, but knowing that it's to our joy and it's to our great and eternal benefit. Out of thanksgiving for this foundation Christ has laid. Out of faith knowing that he'll be with us as we build all the way. We can pursue building a life in Christ and a life together as Christ's body that is full. That is fruitful and that is faithful in the midst of dark times. So let's get to work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this gift of faith, this gift of Christ's righteousness, is more than we could ever understand. You provide so richly for us. You've done so much for us. Thank you, Lord, that we are freed from having to earn salvation by works of the law, but we have everything we need, all power for life and godliness through Christ by the Spirit. And Lord, we do desire fruitful faiths. We desire to be your faithful followers and servants. And so we ask, Lord, that you will help us, that you will strengthen us with the power of your Holy Spirit, direct us according to the promises of your word, that we might truly live as image bearers of Christ, a new creation of God reflecting your goodness, your love, to the world. Lord, build us up with godliness. Build us up with brotherly love and affection. Build us up with steadfastness, self-control, knowledge and virtue. Lord, we desire this and would you grant us the resolution, the commitment that we would put in the effort. Strengthen our feeble knees. Help us to lift up our weak arms. And Lord, remind us that even though we will fail again and again at this, we will fail to put an effort. We will fail to build as we ought. That we have a foundation of forgiveness and favor before your throne. And we're always loved and always accepted. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.